Welcome back. Pardon me. How's everyone doing? Why are you guys so quiet? <laughs> uh, how was Christmas break? Four minutes of fellowship question. You guys ready to go back on break already? Yeah. Amen to that. All right, well, I think in our huddle today, we reminded ourselves that it's been 45 days since our last basic, which is crazy. 45 days, so a month and a half. So it is really good to be back. My name's Carter. I'm on staff at Orchard Hill Church, part of the basic staff team, and it's truly a pleasure to get to do this with you guys. So uh, happy new year. I'm sure that some of you have already made some goals or resolutions, and probably some of you have already quit those goals or resolutions. Uh, I decided to give up coffee, cold turkey. Dumb idea. <laughs> Dumb idea. Uh, don't recommend it. But I think I'm through the, the tough phase. Um, so we're, we're in the good here. But truly, I hope you guys all had a restful break. Uh, I had a really great break. Uh, every year I take a couple of weeks off around Christmas time, spend it with my family, and we spend a lot of time together playing board games and doing puzzles uh, we watch classic Christmas movies like Home Alone and Elf, and uh, we even go ice skating. It's kind of our annual tradition. One thing I did this year over break that was a really great decision was I started watching The Office. Yes. Yeah. Andrea, I finally took your advice. Uh, and at, at this point, I'm all in. I'm like fully immersed in The Office culture. I text Andrea a couple of times a week with some kind of an example from, from one of the episodes. I see my family, my friends, life situations through the lens of Office episodes and its characters. It's kind of scary. What are you in? I'm in season four, so please, I know we're past like that period where you can't spoil it, but please don't spoil it for me. Deal? Nod your head if you're with me. Okay. And if you haven't seen it, this is my plea to you. You need to see it. You're missing out. And if you tried it and didn't get past the first few episodes, just try again. Keep going. It gets, it gets better, I promise. Uh, a few years ago, I actually dressed up as Dwight Schrute for Basics Fall Bash. <laughs> yeah, it's like one of my <laughs> crowning moments of, of joy. It, <laughs> and the funny thing is that I had never even watched The Office before this. So I don't know how we got into it. It was a last-minute costume, but... I Googled some famous Dwight quotes and went to the party and people were, were dying. I mean, look at me. One of my favorite Dwight quotes is, whenever I'm about to do something, I think, would an idiot do that? And if they would, I do not do that thing. <laughs> it's good advice. So I made a commitment to watch The Office after that costume a few years ago. It took me a while. But now it's like the gift that keeps on giving. And my only regret is that it did not start it sooner. So what does The Office have to do with my teaching? and parables. Everything? Yeah. It's a good question, and I'll show you in a moment. Uh, tonight we're kicking off a new series called Parables, as you saw from the video. And let's just take a moment and give uh, Andrew Slatke a little round of applause. <laughs> Andrew, Andrew creates all of our video content from scratch, mostly from scratch, and uh, he has a gift and he uses it to worship and serve God in that way. So, really cool video. But Parables is what we're going to be... Um, studying, and we're going to be studying the parables of Jesus all the way up until spring break, so get ready. Um, we're going to be looking at seven different parables that Jesus used that were recorded in the Gospel of Matthew. Um, now, a question you might have is, what is a parable? 
A parable is a short story used to illustrate a point. Kind of like Michael Scott did in this clip from The Office. Okay, what's up? Yeah, okay. Um, I was just, after the presentation, just wanted to make sure that vis-a-vis -vis me in the office, everything is business as usual. Well, it is business, but not as usual. Yeah, no, I understand. We're, we're, we're making great strides and we're updating, but business as usual, no? No. We're throwing out the entire playbook. We're starting from scratch. We're implementing a brand new system. Good. So we are on the same page? No. We're not. Hmm. Michael, I know exactly how much time and manpower are wasted in this branch. This company is getting younger, faster, more efficient. You need to prepare yourself. We had a foreign exchange student live with us when I was young, and we called him my brother, and that's what I thought he was. Um, then he went home to what is now formerly Yugoslavia, taking all of my blue jeans with him. And I had to spend the entire winter in shorts. That is what Ryan is like. A fake brother who steals your jeans. <laughs> uh, so Michael uses a story from his own life to illustrate a point about what his relationship with Ryan is like. That is what Ryan is like, a fake brother who steals your jeans. Now in the Bible, you could say that parables are earthly stories with a heavenly point. Jesus used everyday examples that people could easily relate to in order to reveal the mysteries of God hidden since the creation of the world. So now another question might be, why parables? Well, the first reason is they are a great way to communicate with large groups of people, like yourself. We still do this today. Storytelling is the most effective form of communication that we have. Number two, it was a fulfillment of prophecy. In the Old Testament, hundreds of years before Jesus was even born, it was written in the Psalms, this prophecy about the Messiah, who is Jesus. And this is from Psalm 78. It says this, O my people, hear my teaching, Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter hidden things, things from of old. So that's number two. Number three, parables were evocative and not provocative. In other words, it made people think on a deeper level. So instead of yelling at people or using fear or guilt or shame, through parables, Jesus invited people to think about the world and themselves in a new way. And the last reason is to help us discover the secret message of Jesus and to be participants in the kingdom of God right here, right now. So now I want to invite you. You should all have a Bible. You can open it up. Like I said, we're going to be in Matthew's gospel. Uh, Matthew is about two-thirds of the way in your Bible, and it's the first book in the New Testament. Uh, Matthew is one of Jesus' followers, his disciples, and this is uh, his eyewitness account of his time with Jesus. So this is going to be the first parable we're going to study. It's uh, Matthew chapter 13, and we're going to start in verse 1. 
And this is the parable of the sower. So I'll give you a moment to get there. All right. Let's read through this, and then we're going to talk about it. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth. Many prophets and righteous men longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen, then, to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. The beauty of the Gospels and the way that Jesus teaches is that it's usually pretty straightforward. In this parable, we've already been given the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. It's like knowing about a hidden treasure and being given the map that leads right to it. What's interesting, though, is that it's still very difficult for us to put that into practice in our daily lives, even today. Uh, listen to this fantastic quote from the great Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard. The matter is quite simple. The Bible is very easy to understand, but we Christians are a bunch of scheming swindlers. 
we pretend to be unable to understand it because we know very well that the minute we understand, we are obliged to act accordingly. Take any words in the New Testament and forget everything except pledging yourself to act accordingly. My God, you will say, if I do that, my whole life will be ruined. How would I ever get on in the world? It's hard to hear or read these words and not feel a sense of guilt as a follower of Jesus. Jesus has so clearly given us direction for how to live, and we so often fail him. For example, last night my wife took our boys to Chick-fil-A over in Waterloo. And Chick-fil-A has these fantastic ketchup packets, right? Where you have two options. You can either peel it open and dip your fries, or you can peel it a little bit and squeeze the ketchup out. Are you with me? So my wife chose the squeeze option, and when she went to squeeze the packet of ketchup, instead of it going out the front, it shot out the back, over her shoulder, onto the gentleman sitting behind her, into the back of his head and hair and down his shirt. Yes. And bewildered and astonished, she turned around frantically to try and help out. And the man was with what appeared to be his three daughters, kind of on a date with his, with his girls. <laughs> and it was now ruined. And my wife started patting the back of his head and like cleaning up the ketchup and then proceeded to clean his back because how can you clean ketchup off your own back? Anyways, it was a mess. And my wife and I were laughing about it when she came home that night to tell me. But, and then in a moment she said, I felt bad. I ruined their dinner and I was so flustered and I left. I should have given them some money or given them a gift card or bought them dessert or something. I know that was the right thing to do. And in the moment, I panicked and we left. I too often fail Jesus in little ways like that, but in big ways too. I'm 37 years old and I grew up in the church. And I've been intentionally following Jesus for the last 16 years of my life. I work for a church. I've heard and taught and studied and listened to the words of Jesus over and over and over yet I still mess up. I get angry with my kids, with my wife, with my friends. I see a need, and I don't meet it. I ignore kingdom priorities for personal pleasures, and on and on and on. The beauty of following Jesus is that he gives us grace, but it is important, clearly, by his words, to listen and obey what he's teaching us. One thing you need to understand is that everything, excuse me, uh, in this passage, Jesus breaks down the parable for his disciples. He gives them, and now us, the treasure map. Uh, this parable is about the state of our heart and what happens when our hearts are prepared to truly hear and understand the message of the kingdom. If you have your Bibles out still, I want you to look um, at the end of there. Verse 23 was the last verse we read. I want to look back at that verse. I want you to highlight it. Uh, or underline that verse 23 if you have a pencil if not that's okay you can go back and do that um, I'm going to read that again for you but the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it he produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown this is the the focus this is the big point of the whole passage and again if you have a pen or a highlighter I want you to circle highlight these four things in that one verse. Two words, good soil. I want you to circle that. 
The next word is hear. The next word, understand. And the last one is produce. So what Jesus is saying is that there are four kinds of ground for the seed to fall on. There's the beaten path, the rocky places, the thorns, and lastly, the good soil. So the goal is to have good soil that produces a large crop. Remember, the types of ground that Jesus is talking about are actually describing the conditions of our own heart. So to truly hear the message of the kingdom of God is actually a matter of the heart. One thing you need to understand is that everything about this kingdom that Jesus is teaching about to his disciples and these followers is different. It's upside down, it's unexpected, it's radical. The last is first. Love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. Lay down your life for your friends. Die to yourself, and on and on. So if our heart is the ground in this parable, then how do we prepare it to receive the seed, which is the message of the kingdom? When I was 21 years old, I was at an all-time low in my life. I had lived in every type of ground in the parable but the good soil. I had listened to the message, but never truly heard and understand, understood it. I had heard the message and received it with joy, only to turn away from God after a short time because I had no root system. I heard the message and became distracted with chasing my own pleasure and success, and it too became unfruitful. It wasn't until I was in the most humble, honest, sincere place in my life that I could truly hear and understand the good news of Jesus. Like a seed, I had to die. I had to completely, spiritually die to myself and my selfish ways and fully surrender all that I knew of myself to all that I knew of God so that he could lead my life. This was the place where my heart was ready to hear the message and understand it and let it take root in my heart. And I have to do it over and over again. It's not a one-time thing. It's an everyday choice for me and for you. Through this parable, Jesus is talking to every single one of us in this room. This applies to every single one of you. We all right now have a heart that is in one of these four conditions. So that's good news. Jesus is talking to you. The question he's asking you is, what is the ground condition of your heart? Now, if you can be honest with yourself and with Jesus, then answer that question right now in your head. What is the ground condition of my own heart? And if your honest answer isn't the good soil, then I want you to ask yourself another question. What in my life do I need to die to right now so my heart can be ready to receive the transformative message of Jesus? Is it a toxic relationship? Is it a bad habit? Is it your own pride or arrogance? Self-doubt? Self-harm? Confess it. You can do it right now in the quietness of your own heart. Ask Jesus for forgiveness. He will meet you there. Invite Jesus to mend the broken parts of your heart and ask him to plant a seed of hope there. When you're in a humble, honest, and open place 
to receive the message and understand it, you now must take care of that seed. The farmer, who is God, will scatter the seed and will harvest the crop. But we must, with the help of God, care for it until that time. We must live out the blessed model we teach here in our everyday lives to nurture this seed. This message in order to produce a kingdom crop. So this blessed model, we must pray together for one another. We must listen to God through scripture, song, people, and silence. We must share meals together and break bread together in community. We must serve our God and our neighbors together. And like Jesus, we must tell stories of how God's kingdom message is alive and working in our lives and in the lives of others. This, this whole picture of the farmer and the seed in this parable is beautiful. A seed has to die in order to be buried. And a seed has to be buried in order to come alive and produce a crop. John, another one of the disciples of Jesus, writes this in his gospel. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. That word that John is talking about is Jesus. And just a few weeks ago, many of you probably celebrated Jesus at Christmas. You went to a service somewhere and celebrated this event. It was in Bethlehem where the seed of God enters the world as a baby and becomes flesh dwelling among us. This baby's name is Jesus. This baby grows into a man, a man who becomes the fullness of God in flesh. This man, the Son of God, is killed and is buried in the ground, bearing the sins of the whole world with him. And just like a good parable about farming, Jesus comes out of the ground, alive, new, transformed, redeemed, and he's still producing a crop for the kingdom to this very day. There's so much to say about this secret message of Jesus, and we've only just scratched the surface here tonight. It has far-reaching implications for every issue we face in the world today. From racism to nationalism, from religious conflicts to destructive entertainment, from education to economics, sexuality to art, politics to technology, from border walls to the very insides of what's going on in our own hearts. Author Brian McLaren once said, what if the real difference is made in the world, not by us preachers, but by those who endure our preaching, those who quietly live out the secret message of the kingdom of God in their daily lives? What would happen if every person in this room made this teaching of Jesus, the condition of your own heart, the most urgent matter in our lives right now? What would happen on this campus if a few hundred college students from BASIC live out the secret message 
of the kingdom of God and produced a crop a hundred times what was sown. What would happen if in our city that crop multiplied and spread beyond the Cedar Valley to the far reaches of the state, our country, to the ends of the earth? How many students could we encourage and bless? How many local churches could we share our gifts with? How many people could we unleash across the world to serve as missionaries in the form of teachers, farmers, accountants, athletes, writers? How many water wells could we build? How many foster children and orphans and widows could we love and care for? How many people dying right now because of hunger and war and disease could we help? Are you with me now? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for giving us this secret message. Thank you for revealing these secrets hidden since the creation of the world. I thank you, God, that every single person that walked into this room tonight had the opportunity to hear something. I pray, God, that people in this room would take that seriously, that they would turn inward and reflect and ask that question, what is the condition of my own heart? And if it's not good soil, God, I pray that they would have the courage to acknowledge and confess that and you would meet them there with grace, not with shame, not with guilt, not with fear, but with love, a love that we can't even fathom. And in that moment, God, would you plant a seed, a seed of hope, a seed of joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, and would you produce a crop that will change generations love you. We thank you for sending your son into the world in the most backwards, radical story ever. You are so good. It's in Jesus' name that we pray these things. And all God's people said,